If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 185. Every time that number gets higher every week, it amazes me. I'm Chad Dotson, your host, and uh, joining me again today, my good friend and yours as well. He's really not my good friend, I, I tolerate him, but he's here with us today. It's Doug Gray. How are you today, Doug? I was doing fine until about five seconds ago, and now I'm crushed. <laughs> that was awful, wasn't it? Oh, my goodness. Let's start over, okay? Red Lake Nation <laughs> Radio. Uh, <laughs> no, Doug, you are my good friend, and I'm glad uh, to have you back on the podcast. Always a fun time talking to you. How about these Reds, huh? Yeah, well, how about these Reds? I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be really upset and sad when October rolls around and they're not playing anymore. Uh, but it, it, it's been a rough last week for them, to be honest. It's been tough. You know, they're stumbling to the finish, 67-92 and 92 record as we speak with three games remaining and, of course, firmly in last place in the National League Central. And I actually said that on Twitter uh, yesterday, the day before. Why am I still watching this team? And someone said, well, because, you know, this time next week they won't be playing and you'll be missing them. And it's absolutely true. It's ridiculous. This team has been awful this year. I think there's lots of reasons that, that I've enjoyed watching this year, but they, especially here at the end, like you say, they're struggling to the finish and we're going to miss them. How is that possible? How, how do those two things work together? Well, we're not called fans for nothing. Uh, that's short for fanatics, and that kind of makes us all crazy. So even even though they're struggling, you know, between just being able to watch baseball and then just having whatever ties us to the Cincinnati Reds in particular, I mean, we're, we're hooked. Let, I mean, let's be honest. If you're listening to this right now, you're a little bit crazier as a Reds fan than your general average Joe baseball fan. That's true, to to seek out a podcast and listen to it, and there's so many of you that do regularly, and I, I, it amazes me, and I really appreciate it. Uh, but you're right, to do that, it shows a level of uh, commitment that's a little bit strange. And so, uh, the you know, you talk about winter is coming. Uh, it's always a hard winter, even if, after a season like this, because you start thinking, and I, I know this is going to happen to me this offseason, because I really have some hope for next year, but that's that's going to be the conversation over the winter. Hey, can this team improve? Do they have a chance? And uh, I think they really do next year. Yeah, I, I think that the pieces are there. Uh, you don't have to squint too hard to kind of see where the team could make vast improvements, especially on the pitching side of things. Uh, you know, over the last, what, seven, eight weeks, we, we've really seen some of these younger guys step forward. Uh, hopefully, you know, we can get some health from some of the guys that are hurt. And Homer Bailey's looked really good as well lately. So, you know, you, you can see the pieces that are there. Uh, hopefully we can just kind of have everybody stay healthy next year and take that step forward. Well, health is going to be a big part of it because you saw what happened with the pitching staff this year. But you're right. you know, And I'm not necessarily saying when the Reds are going to be there next year that they're going to be in contention for the World Series. I, you know, I certainly hope so. Best case scenario they would be. But uh, more of the sense that they're going to be, you know, I would be surprised if everybody stays relatively healthy and things go relatively uh, as expected. For, for You know, no one has to go do something crazy. For the Reds to be, a, you know, a 500 team anyway, and that's progress. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the standings right now. You know, the Brewers have 84 wins. The Cardinals have 82 wins, unless they have finished their game today. I'm not sure. Uh, but, you know, the, I could see the Reds winning 83, 84 games next year. I mean, that that's not really a, a big, huge leap in faith to think that they could do that. And that would put them, you know, right in the thick of things for, you know, second place in the division based on what teams are doing right now. Well, and, you know, again, I'm going to bring this up a lot uh, in the future years, so get ready for it. Minnesota Twins lost uh, 100 last year. They've uh, won 83 so far this year and have clinched a spot in the playoffs. So it's not impossible. No, and I, I think that the Twins are an interesting thing because I, I've heard that a lot this week. Like, oh, look at the Twins. The Twins have gotten really lucky that the American League is very top-heavy. And we're I not going to have – yeah, we're not going to be as lucky. I, I mean, the, the odds – well, I mean, we say that, you know, but – you know, the, the Brewers, the Brewers are kind of That's in it. Point. Still, I mean, I mean, it doesn't look like they're going to make it because, you know, the Rockies are now at 86 wins. But, you know, stranger things have happened. I mean, you know, right now there's only five teams or I'm sorry, six teams in the American League that have more than 78 wins. I right. mean, it 
it, it's possible to win 83, 84 games and, and make the playoffs. And once you get there, you never know what happens. Exactly. You got to get in. You got to get in it to uh, to win. You're right. Stranger things have happened. Also, Stranger Things uh, season two is coming out soon. Uh, Doug, uh, have you seen the first season of Stranger Things? I I have not, and my best friend is absolutely not letting me hear the end of it. Oh man, it uh, is. Uh, yeah. I, I promise. I promised him once the baseball season was over and I had more free time that I would watch it. It's it's on my uh, Netflix list to watch, um, and so hopefully I'll be able to power through it in the next couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, start right up with season two. But. There you go. Well, you know, you're a little younger than I am, so it, it hit me right in my wheelhouse in terms of pop culture references. It's a it's a fun one. But uh, but you're right. Strange things have happened. You don't have to really see, really just health and improved performance from some young guys. And this team looks, starts to look like a, a 500 team or so. And it's not, you know, to get to 84, 85 wins, that's not that far away once you start talking about a team like that. So I'm not going to predict the Reds making the playoffs next year. But I think even with the roster we've got, if they don't go out and add, I could see them being a 500 team, which means you're sort of close to being in the mix the way the playoffs are this year. And that's, hey, you know, something to hope for, right? It it, it really is, especially given how poorly they've played over the past couple of seasons. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Three straight uh, seasons of 90-plus losses. Do you know when the last time the Reds had three straight seasons of 90-plus losses, Doug? I do not, but I bet you're going to tell me, aren't you? Well, it was back when I was in high school, 1930 to 1934. Wow, you look really good for your age, yeah. Chad. Well, yeah, I'm old. But uh, that, was, that was the last time. They lost five five straight years. They lost uh, 90 games, uh, and then five years after that, they are back in the World Series. So I hope we don't have to wait five more years, but uh, there's hope. I, well, I hope so. I, I hope so, too, but, you know, if – if I have to wait five more years, I'm willing to do it. If you can tell me right now that it's only going to be five years, can you do that? <laughs> yes, I guarantee the Cincinnati oh, yeah. Reds will win a World Series within five years. Red Leg Nation Radio guarantee. You heard it oh, first. Oh man, absolutely. Bet the ranch. Don't don't bet the ranch, guys. Don't. Do not do not do no, that. Don't bet the ranch. Uh, so 2017 is winding to a close or sputtering to a close, I guess. And it's you know, I want to sort of look back on the season we've just had. And we can talk about it in the context of what it means for next year, some if you want, but also just as a sort of review. And I had a, uh, before we really get too deep into some of the things I wanted to talk about that, I think there are lots of positives that came out of the season, even though the Reds have lost a ton of games. Before we do that, I want to talk about some comments that Brian Price uh, made this week in a piece in the Cincinnati Inquirer. He told Zach Buchanan, and this is all related to Jesse Winker. He, well, the, the, the story was in the context of Winker and Philip Urban. I think you can sort of ignore Philip Irvin for the purpose of this discussion. Uh, I think Irvin's got a chance of being the fifth outfielder next year, or maybe fourth, depending on who's still here, but he's not really in the mix to start, I don't believe. So Brian Price said that he does not foresee a current regular losing his job in the outfield, which if you take him at his word, and and I'm going to say maybe you shouldn't take him at his word there, but if you do, that means that Scott Shebler and Adam Duvall are going to start, and... Uh, Jesse Winker is not. Uh, that same piece, Jesse Winker had some uh, kind of, I don't know, frustrated comments maybe. I, I would say it's sort of salty is the way it read on the page. Basically, you can only base off the opportunity you get. Given the at-bats I've gotten, the time I've gotten, yeah, I've shown I can do it at this level. And it sort of sounds like he's like, you know, why am I not playing? And that's the way all of us are in some ways. Although there are things to be said for Scott Shebler and Adam Duvall, both of whom I like, especially Shebler. So, anyway... The question becomes: Is Brian Price? Al- this is the way it was read by a lot of people. Is Brian Price already writing Jesse Winker out of the outfield? Now, no, that's I don't believe that's the way to read that. But do you agree with me, Doug, that Jesse Winker? I think we should start with Jesse Winker being one of the starting outfielders next year on opening day. I think that needs to be the first decision that's made with respect to the outfield. Uh, assuming that he's healthy, I'm a hundred percent with you. I, I, I think that it's a very tough argument to make. Uh, that he's not one of your two best corner outfielders. Yeah, I, I don't see. You know, what's what does it? What's the guy have to do? You know, what, what does he have to do? He's hitting more home runs in the major leagues, and okay, maybe that's uh, a random chance in some ways. I think I think there's juice balls. I think smaller parks. There's some reasons for it as well. But if you look at his slash line, it's not really out of line with what he did in the minor leagues. I mean, this is Jesse Winker. Um, this guy needs to play. He'll be 24 next year. You got he gets on base. We need guys on base in front of Joey Votto. 
I see no reason to play him. So then, I guess the question becomes, what do you do with Shevler and Duvall? And Price kind of backed off that. I think you heard it, didn't you, as well, uh, the pregame comments that Price made the other day? Yes. And he said something to the effect of he really didn't didn't expect, maybe you can correct the way I'm remembering this, but he didn't expect all four of these guys, if you add Ham- Billy Hamilton in the mix, he kind of didn't expect all four of these guys to be here, that something's going to happen in the offseason to clear that up. It, it, it sounded like he was saying that. And he also mentioned something to the extent of, uh, you know, he if nothing does happen, it, uh, you know, they're, they're, they'll find a way to get playing time for everyone. Yeah, four um, outfielders, but, right. You know, uh, and I, I don't have a problem with that necessarily. I guess it depends on exactly how they want to line everybody up. Um, I, I, I would definitely look into playing. I'm not a big believer that Scott Shebler is a center fielder. No. But on, on certain days, I think that you can slide him into center field. Um, you know, with a guy like Luis Castillo, who's a huge ground ball pitcher. You know, you, maybe you can try and find play or w- ways to put him in center field and, you know, get more offense out of it. Yeah. Give Billy Hamilton a day off, something like that. You know, don't put him out there every day, but just a way to kind of mix and match guys and get all all of them playing time at bats. Uh, ideally, keep guys like, you know, Adam Duvall, who has shown that he tails off every second half. Uh, you know, Billy Hamilton he can't stay healthy for a full season, unfortunately. You know, maybe that'll help the, these guys get a little bit more uh, production in the second half or keep Billy Hamilton on the field throughout the entire season. I think that you can be creative and you can get enough at-bats to get all four of them a full season worth of at-bats. Uh, you're right about Shebler. He's not going to be a starting center fielder. But, you know, one time a week or something, uh, spelling uh, Hamilton in center or, or, you know, whenever you got a good matchup. I mean, I think he can handle it on a, on a backup basis. He's not. It'll really affect the defense if he's out there as a starting center fielder. But, uh, you know... And maybe that's what they should do. Work uh, if you think Brian Price can can work the matchups, uh, the platoons. But I'm not sure Price can do that. Number one, uh, adequately, and uh, and number two, I'm afraid that Winker gets to be the odd man out in that scenario. As we've seen coming down the stretch here this year, you know, uh, Duvall's an All Star. He's got two straight thirty wins, thirty home run seasons, thirty wins above replacement. That'd be a good season, wouldn't it? That that would be incredible. <laughs> yeah, I'd start Adam Duvall if he had that many wins above replacement. I'd start looking into cloning if he were that good. <laughs> yeah, really. He'd be almost as good as Joey Votto at that almost. point. Almost. But, uh, you know, uh, there could also be a trade. And, you know, again, I'm not sure that uh, Duvall has a whole lot of value on the trade market. Maybe he does. Again, there's something to be said for a power hitter that plays pretty good defense. You know, he may and, fit somebody's. Uh, and especially when you consider he'll have four team-controlled years left. I mean that's that. I yes. mean, I mean that's something that a lot of teams are really looking for right now is young, cheap players. And while Adam Duvall isn't technically young, young, he's not old either. And right. you know he, he comes with plenty of control at a relatively cost-controlled situation. You know, next year he'll make the league minimum before he hits arbitration. So there, there's there's a lot to like there. Although I'm with you that I'm not really sure that he would have a ton of trade value. You know. W- w- We'll see. I, I really do think that the Reds are going to look into trading one of those guys in the offseason. Whether that's so. to try and improve the bullpen, which I, I think that is something they're probably a little bit more worried about than the rotation, yeah. given how many options they've got for the rotation. Um, or, you know, maybe if they're not they're not sold that they can bring Cozart back or that Peraza's the answer at shortstop, maybe they look for somebody to bring in, you know, in a package kind of deal that would include Duvall to bring back a shortstop. Yeah, yeah. I think you can get a shortstop, uh, a, a relief pitcher. I think if the Reds could get, you know, depending on what they do with, with Cozart, I think you're right. If they can get one starter, a really reliable starter, and get one, you know, sort of shut, not necessarily a closer, but quote unquote, but a shutdown reliever, I think all of a sudden this, uh, the staff starts looking really good. Again, we're assuming health, which we can't assume as we just saw in 2017. And 2016 yeah. and 2015. Yeah, it's a trend there. Uh, but I, I'm okay with keeping all four of those guys because of the reason you, you, you stated, which is that, you know, all of them have their weaknesses in some ways. And uh, Billy Hamilton, certainly, especially. And Scott Shebler got hurt this year as well. You're going to have injuries, so you're going to need four guys. But I think you've got to start with Jesse Winker being the primary guy. Uh, not because he's necessarily the best player right now of all of them, but he has a chance over the next five years to contribute more to this team than any of those guys. And you got to get him in the lineup. you got to play him. And uh, I'd have him as my starting right fielder um, and then start 
filling in the other three guys around him. That's the that's the way I look at it. And if uh, Philip Urban's your fifth outfielder, that's a that's a pretty good group. You know, you're going to have Shebler or Duvall or some days Winker coming off your bench. I mean, that's that's a pretty good uh, problem to have, I guess. Yeah, that would probably be the best pinch hitting option the Reds have had in a very long time. If that scenario were to play right. itself out, probably since Luis Quinones. Well, I was I was thinking a little bit well, more recently than that, but sure, let's let's go with that one. No, Luis Quinones. We want to talk about him. <laughs> well, I'll let you do all the talking. No, I know. I, I, I know about one thing about him. So. Oh my goodness <laughs> gracious! Where's Quinones? You know, you, you've heard that. That's, that's what I know. That is literally <laughs> what I know. Where's Quinones? And if you all don't know what that is, uh, I'm disappointed. In you. If you do know what it is, you need to uh, tweet at DougDirt24 or at Redleg Nation. And uh, let us know uh, where's where where Quinones is, because nobody knows where is Quinones these days. Um, I hope, hopefully, he's doing well wherever he is. I hope so. He's a legend in Reds history. Although I'm using the term legend very very loosely. <laughs> Doug, this was a bad season, but there was uh, there were lots of good things about this season. I think. Would you agree with that? There are a lot of things you could point to and say, "Hey, you know, that's I'm optimistic about that," or "Man, that was fun to watch." I think that's a safe thing to say, right? Even though the season was awful, there's individual things that uh, you can point to that were fun. Absolutely. I mean, Joey Votto's incredible. I mean, we all we all know that. You know, watching what Scooter Jeanette did this year, just out of nowhere, this guy came out, and I mean, he's just been incredible. That that's been probably the most unexpected, incredibly fun guy I've seen come up for the Reds in a while just because there, there were no expectations nobody thought Scooter's net was anything more than you know a solid utility kind of player and you know here we are he's got an 882 OPS and 27 home runs I mean 27 home runs Doug he was picked up off the scrap heap for nothing yeah I it first off good job Reds front office Dick yes. Williams and crew whoever whoever first said hey we need to get this guy awesome awesome job give that person a raise um, I, and when it happened, didn't you were like me? I think which we were like, hey, that's that's a that's a pretty good little bench piece to add to the team. Yeah, it it didn't make sense to me at the time that this guy was available just for picking up his salary, which realistically it's nothing for a major league baseball player. Right. I mean, he's making more than the minimum, but it's you know it's not like you're picking up a guy who's making twelve million dollars. You know, he's but I think he's making a little bit over three million dollars this year. Yeah, I, I mean. Yeah, that's that. That's nothing, even for a utility guy. And then, well, like like I said, you know, here we are, six months later, and he's probably the second best hitter on the team right now. <laughs> yeah, the rest is history. Or, well, I'm right? sorry, third. I, Zach Cozart, I'm apologizing right now. Yeah, you're the second you're... best hitter on this team. But uh, you know, Scooter uh, has been a, a highlight reel this year. Four home runs in one game. Did you did you know that he hit four home runs in one game, Doug? I did hear that. Yes. I, I heard. I heard. I heard that's a pretty special thing that doesn't happen very oh, often. Fun. Four grand slams this year. One player ever in history has uh, hit in his whole, in his career had a season where he had four home runs in a game and four grand slams in a year. Did you see that little uh, bit of trivia published this I week? Did. I did see that. And it was. Do you remember who it was? The other one was. Uh, I believe it was Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig, Yankees legend from Murderers Row, the nineteen twenty seven Yankees. But Gehrig couldn't even do both those in the same season. No, I, wasn't it, I think it was 32 and 34 that he did it. Ah, something like that, yeah. I believe so. But uh, Sco- Scooter did both of those in one year. And well, you know, maybe maybe we need to get him a plaque somewhere. I'm just, I'm just saying. Scooter I'm just saying. is, I'm just, I'm going to say it. I know you're hesitant to say this. You don't like to step out on the limb, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Scooter Jeanette's better than Lou Gehrig. <laughs> I'll, I'll let what? you be the one on the record saying well, that. Why are you laughing? Oh, uh, come on, man. I, I read a funny joke online. It had nothing to do with what you said. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Um, you know, they're very similar. Both hit four grand slams in a year. Both hit four home runs in a game. Both wear uniform number four. I mean, really, it's time that we retired number four in Cincinnati. Don't you agree with that? Surely you agree with that. I, I, I'll give you that one. I, I, I think that Scooter should probably be the last guy to wear number four in Cincinnati. Would you like to be in the room with Brandon Phillips when they retired Scooter Jeanette's number four? I would empty my bank account for that. <laughs> oh, Brandon. So you're right. Scooter was fantastic. What about Kozar? You mentioned him. Who yeah, saw that? I, not me. I mean, you know, Zach Kozar has been getting better for a few years he now. He has been. But, I mean, what he has done this year, it, it's incredible. I mean, he's at an age where guys don't make massive improvements. Most guys are starting to decline a little bit, 
And, I mean, he's put together easily the best season he's ever had in his life. I mean, he's hitting for power. He's almost walked as often as he's struck out. He's hitting over 300. I mean, it, it it's incredible. It, it really is. I And I, I think that, unfortunately for him, even though he's entering free agency, it's not really the best year for shortstop free agents. I, I think that he's going to get paid better than he would have if he didn't have this season. Uh, but I, I really feel for him in the, in the sense that if he had done this in a few years past, but we're still the same age, he'd get paid a lot more yes. than he's going through this offseason. Yeah, he's probably coming along at a bad time for him. Uh, it could be a good time for the Reds, though, if they want to try to try to hang on to him. I don't know. It's just it's dangerous signing a 31, uh, soon-to-be 32-year-old shortstop to a long-term contract, uh, and even a longish-term contract, you know, three years. Um I think I would explore it, though, certainly. Um, I, I don't know how I, much I'd be willing to give him, but I think I would explore it. I, I definitely would be looking to explore it. Um, I, what I would not do is I would not make him the qualifying offer, which will be about $18.1 million for next year. That, I, that That's too rich for my blood, given where I think the Reds fall in 2018. Um, you think he takes but, it if they, if oh, they make the qualifying I, offer? I, I do think he would take it because I can't see him making any more than 12 or $13 million a year as a free agent. And he'll probably only get three years. If that, that I mean, this is all just my guess. I could be completely wrong on that. But I, I, I just think that eighteen point one million guaranteed for one year, coming back to a situation he knows and he's familiar with, and a very friendly ballpark to hit in. I, I would definitely pick that up if I were him. Um, would I, you, I think that. Oh, go ahead. Would you give him three years, twelve million a year? <sighs> I'd really consider it. Um, I, 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 I'm not sure I'd go any more than that and i wouldn't be comfortable doing it at the same time i kind of look at our other shortstop options and i'm not sure that i'm comfortable with any of those either i'd give him 10 a year in a heartbeat i'd go you know at 12 a year i'd be like oh yeah probably i think that's sort of in the range where i'd be willing to go and i don't know what he'll get on the on the free agent market you know that's gonna what that's gonna be what determines all this what else is out there but uh, i think i would explore i would not go more than three years I wouldn't probably not go more than twelve million, but I would probably go. I think I would go three years. You know, uh, here here's something that's a little crazy, and you you can tell me how crazy it is. It's crazy. Okay, I would I would not have a problem giving him three years, thirty six million dollars, especially if they tiered it so he got, let's say, sixteen million dollars in the first year, and then yeah. cycled it down so that in two or three years from now he's not making as much, he's not owed as much. And if you do have another option for a shortstop, you don't feel that pressure to keep him playing because he's making twelve or thirteen million dollars at the end. And maybe easier to move if he's not making that much as well. That, that that's point. also correct. Yes. Yeah, but still, that's crazy, Doug. Okay. I, I I told you it was. It's, so I, I warned you before I started talking. <laughs> but you know, if he if he does go somewhere else, it's really been an underrated Red's career. We're going to remember this crazy last season, but he's been a pretty good Red for a while, and and, and I'll re- I'll remember that guy fondly. He's always had a great glove. He's continually gotten better. Um, he got a donkey. He's just, uh, you know, he's a uh, he's going to be a memorable player in my mind uh, in the future. But I wouldn't mind h- hanging on to him for a little bit longer. No, I I think that especially in the in the near term future, he can definitely help the Reds. You know, as you said, I wouldn't go longer than three years, just given his age and the fact that he hasn't really been able to stay healthy for the last yeah. couple of years either. Five wins above replacement, which I think that's where he still is. Five wins above replacement. Yeah. Uh, baseball Reference wins above replacement. Five point one now. Baseball Reference wins above replacement. Um, who's the last Reds shortstop to reach five wins above replacement in a season, Doug? This is an easy. One. Huh. I mean, it, Barry Larkin. Let me give you a hint. It was not Paul Yonish. It was not Paul Yonish? It was not Paul oh, wait, Yonish. But hold on. Are you factoring in Paul Yonish's pitching performance into that? Oh, no, I was not. He may have reached oh. five when you include that. It's a good point. Oh, I didn't check that yeah. out. It was not Paul Yonish. It was not Felipe Lopez. It was not Orlando Cabrera. Rich Aurelia. It was not Rich Aurelia. That's a good. That's a really good guess. It's a terrible oh. guess, but it's a good guess, <laughs> if you understand what I'm saying. It was It was that guy that you mentioned earlier. Um, some, some of the listeners may not remember him. Uh, Barry Larkin. He was a shortstop in Cincinnati for a while. Well, you know, he was, he was all right, I guess. He had a few memorable seasons. He was okay. Gosh, I love that guy. <laughs> I bet I bet he could still go out and get two wins above replacement. Have you seen Larkin recently? Uh, I have. I, I've ran into him a few different times throughout my travels in the minor leagues this year. Looks like he can still and play, doesn't he? He, oh my, he absolutely looks like he can still play. And 
you know, I, I won't mention who said this, but it was another coach in the in the minor league farm system. I, I said something to him. Uh, Larkin was out there taking ground balls at shortstop, you know, kind of showing the players, you know, this is what you need to do, you know, just trying to improve things that guys were doing with their their feet and their hands out at shortstop. And I'm like, it looks like he can still play. And the guy, he said, oh, I bet he still could play. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, he could probably play once or twice a week. And he just looked at me. He's like, you're crazy. I'm telling you, he could play five days a week and be fine out there. I and he, he he absolutely looks like it. Yeah. He really does. I mean, he he does not look like he's gotten even a little bit out of shape over the years. And he still looks like he's 33 years old or something. It kills <laughs> me, you know. He's older than me, but he looks 10 years younger than me. So, ah, oh, Barry. Anyway, uh, well, something else that was great about this year. He may even win an Most Valuable Player Award. Can can you believe what Joey Votto has been able to do? Well, well, I thought you were going to talk about Billy Hamilton. You said most valuable player, Billy Hamilton. Obviously, you're making fun of me, and this will be your last appearance on Red Leg Nation Radio. Let's just go ahead and announce that now. <laughs> oh, it was worth it. It's been, yeah. been good sharing all of my thoughts with you guys. It was worth it, I'm sure. But um, Okay, let's forget Hamilton for a moment okay. and talk about the other MVP candidate on the Reds. Did you ever expect – I know I didn't. I don't know that anybody did expect that Joey Votto could do what he's done in his age, you know, 32, 33 seasons. Um it's it's blown my mind. He's the best hitter in the league still. I think by the numbers show that. The, the metrics show he's the best hitter in the National League at age 33. What? Uh, he, he's incredible. I mean, if, if I believe it was Fangraphs had an article last year, uh, and they basically just stated, you know, Joey Votto stopped striking out, and um, he's carried that through to this year. And, I mean, we're sitting here, and he's hitting, what, 320 with 36 bombs? 31 doubles, I, I, 134 walks. No, I'm sorry, it was 100, 135 walks. Oh, my um, goodness. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he, he's just on a different level than other players are. It, it, it's, it's incredible to watch. It, it's, every plate appearance that he takes, it, it really is tune-in TV if you appreciate what he can do at the plate. I mean, nobody else does it. Nobody in baseball does what Joey Votto does at the plate. They don't, and he's just, and he's constantly tinkering and trying to improve. It's just, it's magical to watch every day. And I think if you look at the advanced metrics, if that's what the MVP award was based on, I think Votto's got a better case by the numbers than anyone else. I don't know if he'll get it. I think the Reds being awful always hurts in that voting. But the fact that he's still a legitimate MVP candidate at age 33, I guess his aging curve at this point, if he can stay healthy, and he has been healthy pretty much, except for a year and a half, um, I'm very encouraged that the way his aging curve is going, that he's going to age gracefully and still be a productive first baseman for the Reds. You know, if the Reds start getting competitive again, he can still be a valuable member of the team for a while. And that's, uh, you talk about the front office, I think they're going to look back at the end of his contract and say, wow, that we earned every penny of uh, value out of that contract they gave him, even though everyone complained about uh, about it at the time. Yeah, and what's so great is, you know, while it doesn't seem like he's aging, we know it's eventually going to happen. Sure. But he's so good right now that the decline phase, unless something dramatic happens, the gradual decline is going to leave him as a well above average hitter for a very long time. Yeah, if he ages, if the, if the age you know aging curve is similar to other players, he's going to get worse. But he can get a lot worse and still be a productive player. Right, I mean, let's let's look at it like this: if he loses two hundred points of OPS that, uh, versus this year. He's still as good of a hitter as Eugenio Suarez is this year, who's been a very, very, right. very good hitter. Yeah, that's not a criticism like, of Eugenio Suarez. Like, that, that's just how good Joey Votto is right now. It's it's insane how much better of a hitter he is than just about everybody else in baseball. Oh, my goodness. Joey Votto, please keep being awesome. <laughs> I, I'm, sure, I, I'm sure that Joey Votto is going to try and keep being awesome forever. Well, I know he listens to the podcast, and so 7.3 wins above replacement right now, baseball reference wins above replacement for Joey Votto this season at age 33. I need to look to see how many 33-year-olds have had more uh, war in a season than that, and I think the names you're going to see on that list, I'm actually going to look that up um, later tonight. The names you'll see on that list are going to be the guys like Ted Williams and that, that you know, the, the all-time greats. Those, those inner circle Hall of Fame kind of guys? Right. Yeah. Would would not be surprised if that's pretty much who populated that list. Yeah, I like Joey, and I still, you know what? Let me say something I think that I've seen this year. Something else that's changed, not just 
that Votto has continued to perform at an elite level at this age. Have you seen, have you noticed, have you sensed that Votto has a different, uh, what's the word I'm looking for really? It's uh, He's regarded differently among Cincinnati fans now. You know, there's been a lot, always been this uh, sort of undercurrent of uh, he's getting paid too much and all he wants to do is walk, and you don't hear that stuff anymore. Have, have you sort of noticed that? I have a little bit, and I, I've been curious as to what exactly has led to that. I, I don't know. I, 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 I've got my theory, but I, I don't know if that's just me reading into the situation or not. Well, you know, I mean, I, Marty Brenneman has been much more, um, and I love Marty, he's been much more complimentary of Votto this year. It's been a really significant change, and so I'm sure that has something to do with it, but I don't, you know, he's gotten, he's he's smiling more. You know, maybe that's something to do with it. He's uh, showing his personality a little more. He wants to be in Cincinnati. So it's just a shame that it took so long for attitudes to change a little bit because he's had just a brilliant career, and uh, and we get to watch him for a long time more, I hope. I, I hope so, too. It's It's been a fun ride so far, and I really, really hope that it continues. Now, Doug Gray uh, runs this site called RedsMinorLeagues.com. Have you heard of that site, Doug? I, I have once or twice. I, yeah, the yeah. guy that runs it, he's kind of a bit of a weirdo. But He's a jerk, but uh, it's a great site. And what they talk about at RedsMinorLeagues.com, you may not be surprised to learn that what, what uh, Doug talks about there is the Reds Minor Leagues. And one of the things about 2017 that I've really enjoyed is that we got to meet some cool new kids who might be around for a while in Cincinnati. You know, uh, Jesse Winker we've already talked about, Luis Castillo, um, you know, even the guys like Sal Romano and Tyler Molly and Robert Stevenson, uh, we got to know a little bit better. That's been one of the most exciting things about this year is some of these uh, these kids that you've been following for a while in a lot of cases, who now those of us that follow the Reds a little more closely than we do the minor leagues are starting to meet. And it's a pretty good group, isn't it? It is. I, I think that there's a lot of upside with a lot of these guys. And, you know, for most of them, they, they struggled when they first got up here. And, you know, it, it took time. And understandably, you know, there were some frustrations along the way. I mean, even from Brian Price, if you if you listen to him, uh, especially earlier in the season when the young pitchers would yeah. come up and struggle, you, you could sense the frustration uh, in, in his voice and his the things that he was saying after the games. Just throw um, strikes. Yeah, and I... I, I understand where his frustration is coming from. At the same time, I, I don't necessarily agree with the way he was saying it right. publicly, but I, I can understand where he and you know the fans alike were frustrated by the performances of some of these young guys. But you know, as, as we mentioned earlier, over the last seven or eight weeks, we've seen a lot of these guys really step forward and, and start to make those improvements and look so much better uh, against other big leaguers. And it, it's it's been fun, and you know. I think that there's still some guys that are that are out there struggling, and hopefully, you know, guys like Amir Garrett who's battled injuries throughout the year, uh, Rookie Davis who's shut down now, unfortunately, you know, some of these guys really struggled this year, and you know, you can see spots where you know they're really good at times. Um, hopefully, next year we can see those guys take those same steps that some of these other guys took this year. Yeah, I mean, a guy like uh, Sal Romano who struggled when he first came up and uh, has really progressed, and he's not a you know he's not an ace right now, but yeah, you know, what's he twenty three years old and he's really progressed, and he's a guy that you can see being uh, in the mix. Uh, Robert Stevenson, who really surprised me, he still walks way too many hitters, and I, his numbers look a little better on the surface than he's really pitched, but he's also making progress, and that's a guy you've been high on, I know for a long time, Robert Stevenson, because he's got that insane stuff. He's got as good stuff as anybody, so. Um, you start to see this progress, and that's the fun of a. You got to take what fun you can get out of a year like this, but that's been sort of the fun. Um, you think Stevenson keeps progressing? Just, just quickly. I, I, I do. Um, you know, as you said, you know, I, I'm in love with that guy's stuff. Um, He's good. You know, I, I, it, it's basically going to come down to the walks, like yeah. you said, and I, I, I'm a believer that eventually he, he's going to get the walk rate to an acceptable point. Uh, I, I just see him throw enough quality strikes at times that I believe that he can figure out what is keeping him from doing that at all times. Yeah, and you're seeing progress there, even though he had a really high walk rate this year. You're still seeing, as the year goes on, a little bit more progress, and an understanding from him that that's what he's got to do to be successful. He's got to throw strikes. Yeah. And what about Luis Castillo? <laughs> we we got to talk about him for just a minute. Uh, yeah. It, <laughs> I mean, he's he's clearly the best pitcher in the major leagues right now. Uh, well, you know, I, 
I, I, it, it's, it's tough to argue with that. It really, really is. I was no. about to say, I thought you were going to argue with me because, Doug, you, I make these ridiculous statements, and you always want to contradict me. <laughs> uh, I'm, a, I'm a very argumentative person. Um, <laughs> if anybody's ever read anything that I've written or said, you, you know that already. Yeah, tell me uh, But that. no, Luis Castillo has been, I, I, oh my gosh, so fun to watch. I mean, every time he took the mound, I, if there was any way possible I could be in front of my TV to watch, I did. Yeah, must-see TV, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a young guy. He's still new to starting pitching, and, I mean, he's only the best red starting pitcher all year. I mean, not, not even close. No one, no one else was even in the conversation. Um, you know, and this is a guy who skipped over AAA. I mean, he went straight from Pensacola yeah. and AA to the major leagues, and, I mean, he didn't skip a beat. I mean, he threw 89 innings with a 3.12 ERA in the big leagues with more strikeouts than he had innings pitched. I mean, you don't see guys do that. And the it highest, happen. it does not happen. It absolutely, does not happen. And the highest average fastball velocity of any big league starter. I mean, it's just yeah, crazy. I, well, it, it, here's what's crazy: that's not even his best pitch. I know, right? It's, it's not even his best pitch. Like that. That's what's crazy about it. And, and here's here's the other thing that's crazy about it. This uh, this just blows my mind to think about. And I don't mean this as a criticism of Dan Straley, who I you know. Really helped the Reds last year. I don't like Dan Straley, but the Reds got him straight up for Dan Straley. No, no, they did not. Oh, you're they right. Got, they, they did. They got, they got, they got, they got to help their bullpen. Yes. <laughs> that, that, I forgot. Yeah, they got uh, Austin Bryce, right? And Zeke White. Oh, my goodness. That's right. Oh, my goodness. That's a. That's just a larceny. Yeah. And again, I like Straley. I appreciate yeah, no, what no, no. did, but the Reds got him off the scrap heap right before we did. Kind of like Scooter Jeanette for free. He was Yeah, it, it, that was a great series of moves that the Reds turned in right there. It, so, I mean, it, it, it's franchise changing. It, it really is. When you really think about it, they picked up a guy in Dan Straley for nothing and turned into a guy who, in Luis Castillo, could potentially be the ace of your staff for the next five years. Yes. Six years. Like that, it, it's insane when you really sit back and think about it, how good of a move that was. And, and there's been a lot of criticism of the Reds' front office, and there's a lot of places you can criticize. They're not, you know, there have been some missteps. But things like that, you got to say, you know, you got to sort of stand up and tip your cap because that is franchise changing. Like you say, I mean, this is, you're turning nothing, absolutely nothing, into an asset that brings in a potential ace. Or a two-starter, at least, if he stays healthy. I mean, that's just, I, I can't even, it, it's similar to the next guy I wanted to talk about, who you've mentioned already, which is uh, Eugenio Suarez, who I thought was a real, uh, you know, sort of shining light in this season. And who did the Reds get Eugenio Suarez for? Are you are you, are you actually asking me? Or I, are want, you gonna... I want you to say his name. <laughs> I don't like saying that guy's name. I don't like saying his name either. All right, I'll but say it. I can, Okay, I'll let you do it. All right, Eugenio Suarez uh, was acquired in a trade with the Detroit Tigers in exchange for the bloated corpse of Alfredo Simon. See, I'm glad I let you say it because I would not have come <laughs> up with that one. Oh, my goodness. Uh, How did they trade Alfredo Simon who you – know, he's Alfredo Simon. And uh, they get Eugenio Suarez who at the age of 25 – cemented himself this year among the very best third baseman in all of baseball. He's the top, you know, six third baseman in all of baseball. I, I, the only thing I can say is that sometimes teams get into this mindset that they need to compete right now, and it, it makes them panic a little bit about what they need. And, you know, with while I feel that they should have been able to look at the metrics to see what Alfredo Simon was going to be for them, they didn't. Or maybe they did and hoped that he could just keep beating the odds. And, and maybe um, they thought that, well, yes, we're giving up a lot for him, but this is the guy that we need to sort of fill in our our rotation. You know, we know we're giving up a lot, but like, like you say, you know, win now. Maybe they thought. Yeah. Did well, see- uh, th- thank, thanks, Tigers. Yeah, I, really. As a Reds fan, I appreciate it. <laughs> did you see the piece? I think it was Trent uh, Rosecrans that caught up with uh, Walt Jockety and, um, and Jim Leland. Uh, I guess he called with Jim Leland, and Jim Leland uh, said that basically after that trade was made, he was fuming. He went up to Jockety and said, "You just stole, you know, a great player uh, from us." He loved Eugenio Suarez, and uh, he was with the Tigers. I don't think he was the manager obviously at that time, but he was still, you know, working in the front office, and he loved Eugenio Suarez. He'd seen him in the spring and just thought that was, uh, this was a kid that had a chance to to be a star. And uh, turns out he 
he became a star this year. I, I don't think that's uh, overselling it. I think he's a, I think he's a genuine star. He's one of the better third basemen in all of baseball. Am I, am I overselling a little bit? Maybe. It depends on what we're going to define as a star. I, I think that he's definitely all-star caliber. I, I'm not sure that he's a star in terms of the national recognition. Yeah, right. I, I guess I see what you're saying. But uh, I think what happened, you know, he's a... He was at four wins or above replacement last I looked. Um, so somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, four wins. And um, But look at that season that he's had. He's hit the ball, and everybody, you know, he's got, what, 20, how many home runs does he have? 26. Year? 26 home runs, which is great. And um, But the defense. I mean, I know you remember the first two months of last season when he was brutal defensively at third base and everyone was screaming for his head. And now he is... He might be a gold glover if it weren't for Nolan Arenado in the yeah, span I, of, you know, a year and a half. Yeah, well, not even that. I mean, I, I think that we saw him be that guy the second half of last year. Oh, yeah, by it's the end just, of the season. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it was just a matter of months where he went from, oh, my gosh, we need to find another place to play this guy, to, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that ball got by him somehow. Like, it, it's almost like when guys hit fly balls into center field and Billy Hamilton doesn't catch it, you're surprised because that's how good A. Eugenio Suarez is. You know, you expect him to make every single play because he almost does. It's amazing. It's amazing. And and can I just say this? Uh, the last time that Alfredo Simon was seen, he was pitching for the Long Island Ducks of the Atlantic League of Professional Baseball. Well, I guess that beats the last time at being in a red uniform, right? Yeah, really. But he's pitching for the Long Island Ducks while Eugenio Suarez just finished his age 25, or getting ready to finish his age 25 season. And he's a red. It's great. It, it is. I, I am not upset about it one bit. <laughs> we talked about his home runs. What do you think about these slugging red legs this year? Uh, first time, let's see, first time that in franchise history that six reds hit at least 20 home runs. And I think if Cozart gets one more, it'll be the second time in the history of baseball any team has had six players with 25-plus home runs. I, mean, I know that the home runs are up and... I know that, uh, you know, maybe that's a little bit of a cheapened uh, statistic in terms of a trivia question. But still, six guys with 20 home runs? Crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not going to lie. I, the baseball's juiced. Everybody knows it. It's juiced. Even though, even though Major League Baseball wants to try and deny it, we've seen the proof. I mean, it's it's out there if you really want to look for it. The ball's juiced. Um, whether it was an intentional thing or not, you know, who knows. But, I mean... <laughs> That many guys with that many home runs, nobody else is doing it this year. So, you know, that, that that's good for the Reds. It it really is. Um, you know, what it's it's funny. I'm looking at the the baseball reference page right now, and you know, one through eight, everybody's got 20 plus home runs, except for Tucker Barnhart with seven and Billy Hamilton with four. <laughs> and as I saw on Twitter the other day, if if Barnhart can just get 13 more in the last three games. Hey, I I don't know. I haven't seen Stranger Things. That would, that would definitely be one of the strangest things in the history of sports. But you're right. Look at your starting eight. That's crazy. Six of them have over 20 home runs. At least 24. Yeah, it's it's been it's been fun to watch. It, it really has. Um, the the question's going to be one: Do they fix the baseball for next year? And how much does that affect everything? And you know that won't affect just the Reds. So you right. know if the Reds if the Reds decline in power, so is everybody else because of that. So. Um, but I mean, e- even not looking at just the home runs, looking one through eight, I mean, seven of these guys can really hit. Yeah, absolutely. They're, I mean, you know, they're all, I guess, uh, Duvall's roughly league average, uh, but everyone else is uh, above league average. Uh, Schebler's just a tiny bit above league average, but except for, well, Hamilton's far below, but Tucker Barnhart's roughly league average. Um, yeah. And, and if we account for him being a catcher, yeah. he's above, he's above average for a catcher. For a catcher. Right. I mean, without question. So, so you've got uh, potentially an average to above average hitter at every single position except for center field, and your center fielder Billy Hamilton is the greatest player in baseball. So somehow, I'm not sure how it works, but I'm pretty sure he is. There's there's some math involved. It's yeah. fine. You don't worry about it. Yeah, don't do the math. Just trust me on this one. Billy Hamilton's the greatest player ever. So yeah, that, that gives me some excitement for next year because we've had a historically bad bullpen last year, historically bad rotation this year, a lot of that due to injuries, and uh, there's some causes. You can see that if they're just an average, if they're an average staff this year, this team is, you know, a 500 team or better. Um, 
I just that's what gives me hope for next year is that it does not take a whole lot. Maybe everybody's not going to hit as well next year, but still, it's a pretty good offense. It's uh, at least a uh, an offense that can score enough runs to win some games. And if just to get the pitching straightened out, that that's where I'm optimistic is that it doesn't seem like we're too far off. No, I, I'm I'm with you. I think that there there may be some concerns offensively that maybe if you guys take a few steps back. Yeah. But you know, maybe Jesse Winker steps in. You know, maybe Nick Senzel steps in. Now, where they're going to play him and Suarez in the same time, I'm still not sure. I don't know if they're even sure. But you know, those are two guys that, you know, if other guys do step back, can make that up and more by them stepping in. That's a great point. Um, and for the first time ever, you've made a great point here on Red Lake Nation Radio, Doug. Um, I'm going to retire right now. I'm done. <laughs> I'm no. worried about Cozart replacing five wins, you know, because he's not going to get five wins ever again, uh, probably. Um, I hope the Reds can sign him and he gets five wins for each of the next three years, but that's not going to happen. But, yeah, you're right. Jesse Winker's going to add to this offense. Uh, Nixon Zell? I don't know. I'm I'm overly optimistic sometimes, but I don't feel like I have those rose-cutter glasses on too much when I say that I, you know, I really see a team that has a real chance next year of uh, of being decent. I'm not suggesting they're great, going to be great next year, but they're going to be decent, I think. Yeah, I, you know, as you said, it, it's going to come down to the pitching. And as long as they get health, I, I really don't think there's a huge concern. Um, you know, the, the guys are there if everybody's healthy or relatively healthy. Um, you know, I think that a lot of the guys were there this year if everybody was yeah. healthy. But that, that just didn't happen for the Reds. Like, they, they lost three or four guys at the very beginning of the year that they were counting on. I mean, it, it's very tough to overcome something like that. Really, two of the pitchers they were really counting on, uh, Di Sclafani and, uh, and Homer Bailey, who's ended up having a, you know, you, you can sort of see him helping next year as well. But, but yeah, those are guys they were counting on. And um, so we're not going to presume that they're going to be healthy next year. And it's a big if when we say that if they're healthy. That's a big if because clearly this year they weren't, and who knows about next year. Now, now we do say that, and I, I'm with you that we shouldn't be counting on everybody being healthy. But I think that the Reds are a lot better off right now, today, than they were at the start of the year when it comes to having depth um, from some of these younger guys who are w- way more prepared now yes. than they were in April. Again, that's the second good point you've made on Red Leg Nation Radio, Doug. Good work. I, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm getting this uh, printed out onto a record, and I'm putting <laughs> it on my wall. I love it. I love it. You're making some good points here. I'm going to give you a raise. Um, one more thing I want to talk about in terms of what was, uh, I think, something that – this is something that really kind of surprised me, which is that, you know, 26-year-old Tucker Barnhart became good this year. I mean, he became a legit Major League starter this year, don't you think? I do. And, you know, and Tucker's always been a very good defensive catcher. I mean, he's – Yeah, he won him out of the gold glove. Yeah, he did. I, you know, he's got one of the best arms in the league. It's strong. It's accurate. Uh, you know, I, I think he does a good job calling the game. All the pitchers love throwing to him. This year, he's really hit the ball well. Like that, that's been a very big game changer for him. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. He played. He started 118 games or played in 118 games. Uh, he's got 23 doubles, two triples, seven home runs. You know, OPS of 747. I mean, you know, now he's both hitting well. And he's defending well at the toughest position on the entire field. And a real chance. I don't think we're being, uh, I don't think it's crazy to, crazy to suggest that he's a real chance of winning a gold glove. Well, uh, if we're going to go by the defensive metrics on fan graphs, which now I'll be 100% honest, I, I think that defensive metrics, especially for catchers, is yeah. missing so much information that it's not funny. Got a long but, way to go. But just using what they have, He's the best defensive catcher in baseball this year, and it's not close. Right, in either league. And, and then add to the to that the fact that he's throwing out more runners, more would-be base dealers than anyone else in the league. And then add to that, this, this is not a case for his gold glove, but that he has been. His own base percentage is three forty five. I mean, you know, he's not hitting with a ton of power, but this is a guy that's not going to kill you at the plate and who is an elite defender. And I'm not sure I, I saw that coming. I I always thought he was going to have a 15-year major league career as a backup just because of the glove. And uh, But, you know, the Reds signed him uh, last week to a four-year, $16 million contract extension. And the more I think about that, the more I think that is money well spent. You, what do you think about that? Oh, I absolutely agree. I, I, I'm i honestly a little bit surprised he didn't get more. I, I, too, think, that he, yes. I, I think he's worth way more than that. I, I really do. Um, 
So I, when when they announced it for, from the red standpoint, I'm like, that's an awesome deal. At the same time, I was like, Tucker, what are you? Yeah, what are you doing? What are you doing, buddy? <laughs> like, and I, and I, you know, I mean, you know, it, yeah, I I say that you know, sixteen million dollars is sixteen million dollars. I would have signed that contract too, but I just right, think yeah. he, I, I just think that he was worth a little bit more than that. I, I think that you know he definitely could have gotten a little bit more, but you know if he wanted to stay here and you know. He's, I mean, he's technically not from Cincinnati, but he's from the general area. Yeah, Indiana, he can go, he, he can go home to Indianapolis, you know, in an hour and a half and go see his, his family if, you know, he really wants to. Like, any day of the week he wants to do that, assuming they're, the Reds are at home. Well, like, he just, just had a baby. Maybe he wants to be near the grandparents. I mean, you know, they're, those yeah, things Yeah, I mean, there's it. It definitely could be a hometown discount, and you know, I don't begrudge anybody for doing that. No. So, I, I great deal for the Reds, fine deal for Tucker himself. Um you know, I it's going to be tough for the uh, the Reds not to get back their investment on this one. I think. You know, every time one of these contract extensions are signed, there's always people just sort of belly aching about it. And this one, I didn't really see any much of that because everybody's like, "Huh, that that kind of makes sense." You know, you buy out his arbitration years, and I guess you buy out one of his free agent years. Um, and because uh, I think this was going to be his first arbitration year, I believe, right? I, I think I, so. I, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll go with you. So if Chad's wrong, it's on him. Well. I've never been wrong, so we don't have to worry about that. But uh, there we go. Then four years, sixteen million. Yeah, I thought you know if, if he's on the open market anyway, which he wouldn't have been. But if he's on the open market, he makes more than that. I think uh, you get him through his age thirty season. Uh, I just actually through his age thirty one season. I don't see any downside to that because at the at the very worst, he's uh, you know a top shelf backup. And I think yeah, the, and, and, the, and the only reason he would be a top shelf backup is because you've got an above average, right? You know, catcher, anyways, because I mean that's what Tucker is now. You're yeah. you're talking the only way he's going to be a backup is if you get a guy who basically performed like Devin Mezzarocco did before he started getting hurt. You know, a guy who's a borderline all star or better. So I kind of feel like he's going to get paid like a top shelf backup while being a you know a starter, and hopefully if he plays like he has this year, and again it was just his, he's just 26 years old. Um, if he plays like this, I can handle him as their starter. I, just, I, I would love to see Devin Mezzarocco. And let's just talk about him briefly. He's got one year left on that contract. I would give, I don't know what I'd give. I would give Doug's left arm to see Devin Mezzarocco come back and just have an amazing year uh, next year in his last year of his contract. Uh, not just because it will help the Reds, but I, sort of 50-50 or even at this point Tucker Barnhart 60-40 sharing uh, playing time with uh, Devin Mezzarocco, who can hit the way Mezzarocco can hit when he's healthy. Um, it, it would be great for the Reds, but I just, that poor guy, Mezzarocco, I would not walk across the street with him. He's <laughs> just, that's the unluckiest guy on earth, and I just, I hate it for him. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's been tough to watch, because Devin, he really is a nice guy. I, if you've ever met him or talked with him before, I mean, you, you already know that. Yeah, he's been but... on our podcast a couple times. He's just, he's the best. Yeah, and you know, just to see the guy go through all of these things over the past couple of years, it it you, you, you hate to see it. I mean, you, you hate to see it for anybody, but especially with the way that Mezzarocco is, I mean, you just you you really do hate to see it. Yeah, so it would be good to see him. Yeah, I expect this is probably going to be his last season in Cincinnati. Although, you know, you never know. He may sign to be Tucker's backup, and <laughs> nobody saw that coming. Yeah, but uh, if the Reds want him after after this year, but I just I would love to see him do something that allows him to continue his major league career because good guy at his best when healthy, good player, and just unlucky. I mean, he got hit by a pitch this year and uh, broke his foot. I guess poor guy. Oh well, Devin, we still we still love you, buddy. All right, what else about the 2017 season? How about this? Let me talk about a guy that got a lot of flack this year, and it was well-deserved flack, but this is a good way to sort of end the discussion of the 2017 season. Bronson Arroyo, okay? Now, when we look back on this year, we're not going to remember his 7.35 ERA. Um, I think that we're going to remember Bronson as the guy who, fifth among all red starters in franchise history in strikeouts, Seventh most games started in Reds history. You know, 15th in wins, 15th in innings pitched. He's won more games. He's pitched more innings, more complete games. Struck out more batters at Great American Ballpark than any Reds pitcher. I mean, you know, Bronson Rowe was never an ace. But this is a guy that was a really good Red for a lot of years. And uh, he 
should not have been on the team this year in retrospect. And a lot of people said that before it started. Um, but what a great Reds career, and we'll see him in the Reds Hall of Fame. Now, that's my uh, sort of admiring uh, peon to uh, to Bronson Arroyo. Do you have anything you want to add to that? I'm going to choose to remember Bronson Arroyo the same way I remember Jose Rijo and not remember the comeback. Yes. It, you know, everything that he did before that as a Red was just completely different. And I, I, I don't want to remember Bronson Arroyo, the 7.35 ERA guy, because as you said, he was so much better than that. Um, you know, first... it, Go ahead. It, 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 I was just going to say, you know, I, I don't remember him like that. Um, you know, all the things that he did for the Reds. Uh, he was a part of, you know, the teams that, you know, really got us out of the lost decade. Yeah. He was a very big key component of those teams. Um, you know, very important to the recent history of the Reds franchise. It really extremely important and, and a key member of those. And, you know, you look at the first eight years that he spent in Cincinnati and he pitched 200 or more innings every year except for one. And that was the year he pitched 199 innings. <laughs> I mean, just a dependable starter who was uh, solidly league average or slightly above league average most years. Um, but at worst, uh, you know, sort of a league average guy that ate a lot of innings. And, you know, I just, it's a, it's a good career and uh, sort of an interesting guy and a fun guy to have around. And, the goofy looking leg kick and the long hair and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna remember him very very fondly he was never really a star he didn't make one all-star team but he was i think what you put it there just a very important member of some teams that were very important to a lot of uh, reds fans and uh sad to see him go he probably should have gone before but uh you know glad that i was glad the reds were able to celebrate him a little bit and he had his little concert uh after the game uh, last weekend, and you know, good luck to Bronson Royal in the future. Uh, really appreciate what you were able to do for the Reds, and Jose Rijo too. <laughs> right? Yes, yes. I really appreciate what Jose Rijo did uh, in in my my early days as a Reds fan. See, you keep saying that my early days as a Reds fan. Just it's, it's like you're trying to make sure everyone knows that you're younger than me, Doug. I'm just trying to make sure everybody knows that I'm not that old. Oh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not throwing anybody else under the bus. I'm just saying, you know, I I barely remember 1990. So feel bad for me because I don't really remember celebrating a World Series. Yes, in my Doug. Life. I, was, I was a teenager in 1990. Yes, I was. So you're bragging now? No, I'm admitting. Well, you should be bragging because I wish that I could have been a teenager and fully appreciated what was going on. Well, it was, yeah. I mean, I hate that we're talking about 1990 still. Well, you're you're right. <laughs> so everybody hate Doug because he's a jerk for bringing all of this back up. But you're right, man. You know, and, and that's what I want again. You know, um, that was such a, again, I was just a teenager. But at that time, you got so, you know, you don't have that many cares in the world in some uh, instances. And the Reds were everything to me every day. And uh, I want to see that again for this current generation of Reds fans. And I want to experience it again because it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, you'll get there someday, Doug. I sure hope so. And hopefully it's really, really soon. Well, so all, everybody that's listening, uh, front office guys, I know you're listening. Reds players, of course you're listening. Um, Obviously. Yeah. Get, get, get to it. Let's let's make it happen. I've already predicted within the next five years, so we're going to. We're going to stand by that. No, uh, no, no, Chad, you, you guaranteed it. I did guarantee we, we, it. We, we all heard it. Don't don't try and back off now. We all heard it. <laughs> oh, I'm not backing off, baby. The Cincinnati Reds are going to win a World Series within five years. And probably, probably they're going to win a World Series within 13 months. I like your thinking. I don't know. All right, that's Red Lake Nation <laughs> Radio, episode number 185. Thanks for listening to us again. Uh, obviously, if you're listening... Uh, but you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, go subscribe, iTunes, wherever you find podcasts. You're going to find Red Lake Nation Radio. Subscribe, leave us a review, and uh, and tell all your friends. Uh, like we say every week, if you like us, talk about us. Tell people about us. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. You can follow Doug at DougDirt24 on uh, Twitter. You can follow me at DotsonC, although I don't know why you would. And um, at Red Lake Nation on Twitter as well. And follow us. Uh, come uh, read every day at RedLegNation.com where we're talking about the Reds every single day, and uh, and RedsTheMinorLeagues.com, where uh, Doug's uh, following the down to the depths of the minor leagues, everything you want to know about Cincinnati Reds minor leaguers. Doug, anything else you got for us today? 
I, I think we did pretty good. I, I feel like we covered a lot of uh, topics over the last hour. It's always fun. It's always fun talking about the Reds with you, man. We're going. I lied earlier. I said that you're not going to be back on the podcast. I lied. You're welcome anytime you want to come on. Awesome, because I was really looking forward to the next one. Uh, do you feel the love, Doug? Do you feel it? I do. I really do. <laughs> For Doug Gray, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.